Mr. Speaker. As always on a Friday morning, it's time for Radio One Politics, the Breakfast Politics. Uh, and this morning, I'm joined by John Moore and Sarah Martin. Morena to you both. Morena, good to be Morena. here. Morena, how are we all? Very good. On a Friday, bloody marvelous Friday. Uh, Thank God it's Friday. I know, I know. Well, thanks some kind of deity. It's Friday. <laughs> whichever one you choose, you can thank whichever one. But I wonder if. Uh, T G I mean, the T G sounds oh, yeah, I don't know with another deity T B G F or something I don't know yeah. uh, that would be think Buddha it's Friday uh, anyway let us begin um, one one group that may have links to religion I don't know maybe maybe the National Front uh, a far right um, neo Nazi white supremacist group. Uh, known uh, for racially motivated attacks, uh, their pro-white stance, uh, and you know things like allegations of burning down a marae. Um, I think former leader Kyle Simpson may have been implicated in something uh, along those lines. Uh, they organised a rally in Dunedin. That uh, rally they advertised on an event website. Mm. Uh, that was taken down by the site, and that's caused a lot of controversy for them. Uh, they do a good job, actually, of eventfinder.co.nz, but... Um, uh, and then there's also been a counter rally um, that's been organised, mm, um, w- which is fantastic. Um, but I guess a lot of people may or may not know who they are. So who are the National Front? So the National Front have been around since the 90s. Uh, probably their most um, infamous member is Kyle Chapman. Who, oh, Chapman, uh, not Simpson. Yeah, yes, right. uh, who's, who's had a bit of a media profile over the years, has stood for mayor and got a couple of thousand votes in Christchurch uh, at times. Um it's a reasonably small group, uh, maybe a couple of dozen or a few dozen at the most yep. nationwide, uh, but um, they have been able to uh, push themselves publicly, uh, especially through little stunts, like little, little protests and rallies that they've held at various times, including in Wellington and in Christchurch. Um, the sort of uh, usual nutty suspects turn up to their marches, uh, skinheads, um, 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 tattooed and Nazi swastikas, etc. Um, their presence in Dunedin has been almost non-existent. However, I talked um, to a couple of the people organising the counter-protest yesterday, uh, and I was told that a couple of the National Front members had moved down from Christchurch mm-hmm. and uh, have been seen around the place, including uh, attending TPPA protests last year. And in October last year, these two um, National Front Nazi uh, members were actually chased away from the TPPA mm. protests. So... Um, Today, uh, the National Front claims that they're going to be holding a rally at, at Queen's Garden um, from 10.30 to 11, where a person they claim by the, has the name Chris McCabe will be presenting his ideas on the future for white New Zealanders. Um, whether they actually turn up in the end uh, is, is questionable, especially since um, they have indicated that, that they, they feel under threat. So they, ironically, they play the sort of victim card mm. National Front, and that's, that's been something 
something in terms of their sort of uh, projection of their ideology. As of late, they they present themselves as, as victims. That there's a there's a white genocide going on, and, and and that white culture is under threat. So very much the type of language that we hear from the extreme right yep. in America at the moment. Um, so there's also a counter rally uh, being organised um, uh, where people will turn up about 10 o'clock in the Queen's Garden to uh, um, hopefully give these uh, Nazis uh, sending off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, Sarah, there was a protest in Wellington last year uh, by the National Front, or a rally was held. Uh, I think maybe uh, there was something like 20 people turned up, or 24, and then there was the counter-protest. I think about 800 appeared. Yeah, the yes. thing is that they're always outnumbered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. But they still think they're in the the right. I mean, should we be worried about the National Front? Is it something that should concern us, Sarah? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, obviously, if you are a target of their hate, then it, it would be you know pretty hurtful and pretty um, probably you would feel a bit you know fearful of some of their language and some of their um, political. Demands, but um, you know, I think as John said, they're pretty small and pretty marginal. There's always going to be um, a small number of people who feel this this kind of level of hate, and um, whatever for whatever reason, they do feel a kind of a, a sense of hate and fear towards other people. So um, you know, they exist. That feeling, that thought exists. I think it's pretty marginal. I think um, there's plenty of capable people who are out there able to counter their arguments um, and obviously it's great that so many people are willing to turn up and protest that kind of hate and that kind of fascism so um, yeah I don't think there's anything to fear I understand if people do feel fearful and hurt if they are the target of some of their um, speech but I, I think as a society and um, you know as a democracy we've got plenty of um, people who've got you know different views and who are um, capable of expressing them and um, dismissing the kind of the hate that's part of their their political ideology. Mm, mm. You know, like John was saying before, the movement's quite big in America and especially in Britain as well, with the um, mm. yeah, Britain First and the National Front there. Um, but it's interesting with with America and New Zealand and Australia, you've got these kinds of groups. Um, coming out white, pro-white groups in colonised nations, you know, which always makes yes, me... Yes, uh, irony, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, exactly, you know, this is this is a white Christian nation, what is it though? Mm, yes. <laughs> um, and I agree with Sarah that, you know, in New Zealand especially, um, such groups as the National Front are pretty marginal and small. Um, nonetheless, I, I do think that there is a... a ideological, social and material basis for the growth of, of uh, far-right groups in New Zealand. Um, we live in a time where extreme politics on both the left and right is, is on the rise mm-hmm. uh, and where radicalism uh, is popular again in various forms, a whole range of, of, of different types of politics. And I think with people's uh, huge disillusionment with with uh, the global system, with capitalism, uh, with inequality. That that far right groups can, uh, in an opportunistic way, sort of feed on people's fears. Mm. And if we look at New Zealand, um, 
Uh, I mean, I'd argue New Zealand's not a particularly racist country, uh, say, compared with uh, problems in America and problems in Australia, but racism exists here. But there is a firm basis in xenophobia, especially sinophobia, uh, um, um, that sort of fear of the Chinese other, especially. Mm. And I think there is a basis for a far-right group like the National Front to slowly uh, grow uh, using uh, those fears. Um, yeah, so I think uh, why let them grow uh, if, uh, if we look at... And there's no comparisons between uh, Germany and the 1920-30. They were pretty small and marginal, and people laughed at them. They thought they, they, they were a joke. Um, and it was interesting when, when eventually, due to economic collapse, the Nazis really did become a mass movement mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, um, comments from Hitler and Goebbels, etc. said, well if, um, when we were very small and marginal, if we uh, if, if the the left uh, liberals had realised how marginal we were and how small we were, uh, they could have easily have tackled us and destroyed us. Um, Sarah, in America, uh, um, the alt-right has um, gone from, you know, the backwater into the boardroom um, and they're very much gone from the skinhead to the suit. You know, are we seeing that kind of thing in New Zealand or can we fear, you know, do you think that kind of thing could happen here? Uh, yeah, of course it could happen. Um, you know, it can happen anywhere. Um, and as John said, given the right economic and social conditions, um, it, it could happen. Um, I don't think we're seeing it here so far. Um, I, John might have a better um, read on that, but I, I, I don't think we've got anyone who's um, in positions of significant power who holds such extreme views. We may well have people who are sympathetic, um, you know, closet fascists, uh, but I don't know that we've got any overt um, ultra-right in positions of power, but... Um, I'm not aware of it. Hobson's speech, John. perhaps? Hobson's, well, that's true. I mean, is, is that verging towards um, fascism? Mm, mm. Um, just finally on this topic, um, you know, people are calling for a ban on this event and, and, and such events like this. Um, are they right to call, call for that ban? And is it right for society to, um, you know, to shut these people up? Yeah, I think that's a huge philosophical question, ideological question. Um, uh, I think there's a danger in calling for legislation or for, say, police action to, to against groups like the National Front, where where the state is only given the power to suddenly ban groups who might be seen as antisocial or outside of the perimeters of uh, acceptable politics. Something they can use that against a whole lot of groups, including mm. uh, progressive groups, liberal groups, anti-racist groups, uh, um, uh, tēnā rāga tērātanga groups, if you give the state the ability to actually ban groups. However, I think on the ground, uh, you know, coming from communities in a more organic way, if people want to react to groups like the National Front, personally I think that that's completely uh, legitimate and that's what we're seeing um, today that uh, people have organically organised uh, a counter rally and to my knowledge they're not calling for the city council or the police to actually uh, break up this uh, fascist rally but rather uh, using their own initiative and uh, personally I think that's fully justified mm-hmm. yeah indeed mm. indeed, absolutely and uh, you know, I mean I guess similarly the events website that decided that you know, it wasn't going to um, support that kind of speech um, and those kind of that kind of ideology and, and pull that. You know, that's that's um, kudos to them for taking that mm, decision for sure. themselves.
Mm-hmm. All right, um, to duty politics now, um, something that may have been out of the spotlight for a while, um, you know, it was a big talk about it a couple of years ago when that book came out, um, but there have been malicious rumours being floated around about Clark Gayford. Uh, they've been around for a while now. Um, the police have made an extraordinary step to issue a statement clearing Clark, uh, saying that he's not under investigation a- a- at all. Um, you know, rumours are abound uh, um, every now and again. Um, remember Helen Clark's husband? There was rumours around about him, and she mm. squashed. She she came out and scared the bejeebas out of everyone and squashed those herself. Um, but um, you know, uh, could these or uh, or are they, Sarah or, or John? Um, are they politically motivated? You think? Um, yeah, I think there is a political nature to uh, to these rumours. Um, I mean, I've, I guess I've, I've heard some of the rumours since last year from political people. Uh, so uh, a number of sort of uh, personal rumours and rumours of a criminal nature were uh, were floating around since last year um, against Clark Gayford. Um, and whether this is an organised, uh, conscious effort by people on the right, opponents of this Labour government to actually discredit this government by uh, casting uh, various allegations against Clark Gayford. I don't think anyone really knows. Mm. Uh, that might come out at a later stage. But it does, uh, I mean, looking back at yeah, Nikki Hager's investigation of, of dirty politics uh, coming from supporters of the National Party, and there's been d- dirty politics coming from supporters of the Labour Party as well over the years. I think that... Um, an element of politically conscious and active people, uh, rather than engaging in big ideas like, well, what's this government doing that's wrong, and th- this is the alternative, engage mm. in sort of petty, uh, rumour-based uh, and personal-type uh, politics uh, that I think really has no, no place in a sort of a, a, a decent political environment. Yeah, well, I mean, Clark's not even a member of the parliament. You know, no. or the government, so um, it's ridiculous in itself uh, because of that. Um, Sarah, um, is it, was it right for the police to come out and say this? Um, to clear him? It's unusual. I, I mean, I, I guess every, you know, it depends. If, if they were, you know, Clark Gayford is a private citizen. Mm, um, yes. So, you know, all of us as private citizens, if, if I guess if any of us was the subject of the kind of um, rampant and persistent and false rumours, um, of criminal behaviour, I guess all of us have probably got the right to request the police, um, you know, at least write a statement clearing out, saying we're not under any criminal investigation. So, uh, you know, in his capacity as a private citizen, I don't think it's problematic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's any allegations that there was political, and the only problem would be if there was allegations of political interference and political pressure on the police, but I'm not aware that they are, there have been any. Um, so, you know, I think it indicates the level of um, how widespread these rumours are. The interesting thing is no one I know in Wellington knew about those rumours. So um, it came as a complete surprise to uh, everybody I work with. Um, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Which is weird because, you know, supposedly these things are usually about weight issues. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, but apparently they were very widespread um, and, you know, if they were an orchestrated campaign um, designed to undermine the Prime Minister and, as John says, I think, you know, dirty politics has showed us that the, that the National Party is um, absolutely capable of this kind of black, ha- black ops behaviour whereby they have people outside of the formal party structures doing this kind of... Um, 
underhand stuff. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. I I think if he's acting as a bit extraordinary kind of petty and um, nasty way to conduct politics. But um, yeah, I'm not sure. I I think. If he's acting as a private citizen, then sure, there's no problem. There'd only be a problem with if there was political interference in the police's mm. the police um, statement. Although Barry Soper, his um, the political commentator, has sort of inferred that that, that uh, there was sort of uh, some um, behind the scenes orchestration between the Labour Party and whoever else, and sort of countering these rumours. Um, he doesn't seem to have provided any concrete evidence, but no, he but, doesn't. But um, <laughs> he doesn't. No, he never usually does. <laughs> no, but, I mean, but there's, nonetheless, there's various, but he doesn't actually allege that it was political interference either. I don't think he no, goes that far. But he does say uh, uh, this, this um, was an orchestrated response by Labour. Um, um, what he means by that, who knows? Uh, there's more implications there. But I think um, it is it is legitimate to raise the issue of are the police being partisan here? Um, um, quite possibly they are not, but nonetheless it, it, it's, it's, it's legitimate to raise that fear. Mm. Would, would the... Would the um, would the police go to bat for, say, a member of the Green Party, if, if they, or a partner of a member of the Green Party, if, they, if false allegations were flying round, or of, um, say, um, uh, groups that might be seen as more sort of anti-establishment? Um, I mean, that's all but hypothetical. Is, I mean, if they're, if they're acting to defend the integrity of the office of the Prime Minister, that's different than being partisan. I mean, partisan means they favoured the Labour Party. I don't think there's any evidence or suggestion that they favoured the Labour Party. But there have been accusations going right back to the days of Helen Clark and then uh, the John Key government that, yes, the the police do uh, are very hesitant to say, uh, one, if if there are allegations of um, inappropriate or illegal activity by uh, members of the government, such as to do with um, political funding, the police are very reluctant to take any case against um, uh, government members and um, yeah and I, I think uh, you could argue that it is problematic if the police see their role as protecting the integrity of the office of the Prime Minister in a sense that is partisan and biased mm. but nonetheless I, I th- I, I, yeah. it's, it's, it would compromise if, if it was true it would compromise their, their duty to be apolitical um, but partisan would would suggest that they favour a party. I'm not, I'm not sure that they do. I'm not sure there's any evidence that they do. Or they they that they, they soft on whichever party holds the government strings at the time. Mm, yeah, I mean they haven't. I, I would suggest you know coming out and saying there's no charges against a private citizen is not demonstrating any police corruption. Um, no, quite possibly not. But the, I guess it sets the precedent. And if there's, uh, you know, there's always rumours floating around about various politicians, etc. Oh, heaps. And so, do we? Uh, if the police don't come out with statements now in the future um, about allegations against certain um, uh, politicians or their partners or their families, th- does that give more weight to those those mm. rumours? I just think it's it's a problematic uh, occurrence of the police uh, uh, coming yeah. out and making public statements. 
Well, I mean, it's, it's very. It's, I mean, and they must have weighed that up incredibly heavily because they would have known that they'd be opening themselves up to this kind of discussion. So I don't imagine it was a decision that was made lightly at mm, all. Mm. Um, and they would have been well aware of um, the potential for this to be seen as and um, being politically um, motivated. But um, which I think points to, as you say, John, there are rumours all the time. But there's obviously something different about this rumour and this behaviour that led the police to do this because it is an unprecedented step um, and it would have, you know, it's a very serious thing, that, you know, it would have taken serious consideration so um, it perhaps it points to the fact that these rumours um, there was some kind of, the nature of these rumours or how widespread or how deep they were was different than, than previous, you know, as you say that, that normal political gossip that goes around Right, we're going to have to leave it there. We've run out of time, um, but I love this robust debate. <laughs> this is what it's all about. It's what it's all about. I can just. Good to have you back, Sarah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh god. Let's hope we can talk about. You know, let's hope we move off gossip, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get rid of uh, giving space to horrible hate groups and gossip, and uh, get back to some serious politics. There's no bite <laughs> on what we're talking about. Uh, but anyway, thank you very much, both of you. Cheers. It's always a pleasure, and see you again next week.